to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. There's rocks everywhere. We're doing a series, or in the middle of a series now, on how to deal with difficult people. I said from the beginning, all of us at some point in our lives will have to deal with difficult people. And I also said that some of, no, all of us at some point in our lives are the difficult people. And so I, I guess the lesson from all of these messages is that you're going to have to deal with difficult people. What is the biblical way? Uh, I'm not talking about Ophrah or, or the, the five. I'm, I'm talking about what the Bible says about difficult people. How do you deal with difficult people biblically? I talked about how to deal with criticism. I talked about how to deal with opposition. And this week we're talking about how to deal with angry people. David is a good example of how to deal with anger. Abishai, uh, you know him as, uh, or I'm sorry, Shimei, you know him as Noah, uh, <clears throat> screamed, yelled, kicked dust. We didn't have any dust up here for him to kick. At David, because he was from the tribe of Benjamin, he's a kinsman of Saul, and so he yelled at David. He expressed his anger. And David said, let him do it. Now, Abishai, uh, you know him as Carter, was not supposed to catch the rocks. Um, and, and Noah wanted to use real rocks, by the way. And I said, no, one of them will bounce off and hit Terry in the leg. And so, but David said, let him curse. And David was willing to endure the cursing. Bregan, I'm just a little bit hot up here. Thank you. Endure the cursing. And he is a good example to us of how to diffuse 
anger. Now, I want you to understand in the message today, I'm not teaching you how to deal with your own anger. That's a totally different sermon series. That's not a sermon. That's a series of messages. And that's not what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about how do you deal with other people who are expressing their anger at you. And the idea is to diffuse anger. That is, take the heat out of the situation. Somebody said one time in a discussion, what we need is more light, not more heat. That means more information and not as, as much feeling. And so the idea is to, how do you diffuse the angry person? How do you cool things off? So, and, and what part do you play in that? For, for one thing, I would say don't reject it, endure it. David responded to Shimei's curses and rock throwing by saying, leave him alone, let him curse. Now there's a little more to it. He talked about Absalom, his son, and, and he gave some reasons why he would endure the anger. But let me tell you, you don't want to escalate the situation. Our tendency is to reflect and escalate. Somebody expresses anger at us, and you pull the Abishai answer. What was it that Carter said? Let me go up there and cut off his head. Now, be honest. There are times that you wanted to cut somebody's head off. Even Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said... Somebody asked her, in all those years, did you never consider divorce? She said, never. Murder, yes. But divorce, no. There are times, there, there was an old song that my mother had a 78 record. Uh, somebody explained to the kids uh, younger than 50 what a, what a 78 record was. But Mother had, Nancy, a 78 record that was some song about this guy singing and his wife singing back to him. And somewhere along, she says, you said you'd like to eat me up. And he said, and sometimes I wish I had. How do you diffuse that anger? Well, you, re you don't reject it. You endure it. President George W. Bush, according to his press secretary, Dana Petrino, in the book that she wrote, advice from the, Lessons in Advice from the Bright Side, she talks about a time that uh, George W. Bush often went to Walter Reed Hospital to visit wounded soldiers. And one of the times she talked about that was so special was a a warrior, a wounded warrior who had not opened his eyes since he was wounded, opened his eyes and looked eye to eye with George W. Bush when he pinned the Purple Heart on him. That was a moving moment. But then there was another time as when they went in and the mother, instead of that you know, positive reaction, yelled at the president saying, why isn't your son laying here in this bed wounded instead of mine? And as he left, he said to his staff, with the tear running down his cheek, that mama sure was mad at me. 
And I don't blame her one bit. By the way, that's one of the reasons I'm a George W. Bush fan, because he was a man of tender heart and great humility. He took, he accepted the screaming from this mama because her son had paid the price, gave her the right to be angry. So how do you do that? How do you manage to accept the anger instead of rejecting it? You respect it. Well, you do that for the sake of harmony. You endure it for the sake of harmony. To, to sum up, all of you be harmonious. Now, some translations say of one mind. But the Greek word is the word from which we get the word harmonious. Sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and um, humble. This is 1 Peter 3, 8, by the way, in the New American Standard Bible. About that word harmony and the Greek word, Chuck Swindoll said, Peter isn't calling us to sing in unison, but in harmony. By the way, the reason Aaron won't let me sing with his singing group, group up here is I don't know how to sing harmony. I can sing the lead, but he's the lead. And I don't know how to sing harmony. Some church members don't know how to sing in harmony or serve in harmony. We are supposed to be har harmonious. Singing in harmony means we all contribute to our, our unique notes to a beautiful chorus that far surpasses any single note. The desire for harmony will allow us to endure someone's anger because of empathy. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. There's a problem with this verse. That is the Greek word, sympathetic, is actually the Greek word almost letter by letter transliterated. The trouble is, I'm, I'm looking at my college professor over to my left. I'm not going to call her name because I said I wouldn't call names. But the trouble is, sympathy has turned into a different word to us. In the original Greek language, sympathos was empathy. Today, what we look at is empathy today. That is feeling the feelings of someone else. Feeling together with them is the literal translation of the Greek word. Today, Charles, we call them, I said I wasn't going to call names. It's a, it's a habit, okay? <clears throat> the... Today, we say empathy. When you're feeling with someone, you understand how you're feeling and you feel with them. That is empathy. Whereas sympathy in today's vernacular means feeling sorry for someone. Well, I can tell you, he's not talking about feeling sorry for someone. He's talking about understanding the their feelings and feeling with them and thinking, how would I feel if I were them? See, that's what George W. Bush did, right? She has a right to yell at me and be angry at me. I sent her son to war. And so you think, how would I feel 
If I were in that situation, if you can do that, if you can express empathy, then you can endure the anger rather than rejecting it. You can do it because of love. By the way, that love is Philadelphia. I don't mean it's in Philadelphia, the city. I mean, it, that's the word for love. It's brotherly love. Recognize especially we ought to shore, show love toward our brethren. And by, on the basis of our love, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. They that love thy law are very difficult to insult. insult. We need to be loving. And on the basis of love, especially brotherly love, we can endure, rather than rejecting the anger, we can endure the anger, and that helps remove the heat from the situation. Now, you can escalate it if you want to. By the way, this is not part of the sermon. Let me just throw in this prescription for those of you who have trouble dealing and managing your own anger. I know nobody in here has that problem. But just in case there were somebody in here who has that problem, if you have a problem controlling your anger, you are the most easily manipulated person around. Because anybody who knows that you have trouble with anger, all they have to do to win an argument with you is make you blow your top. And when you do, you've lost the argument. At that point, you will be overwhelmed with shame. Unless you're a toxic person, you will be overwhelmed with shame and apologize even if you did nothing wrong except for losing your temper. Well, that's, that's another sermon. But you might also do this because of a tender heart. That you are compassionate that's also the idea of feeling along with someone. But what it means, I use the term tender heart because one of the translations did. But you have a tender heart and you can be easily touched by somebody else's problems. Rather than feeling angry, you are touched because you're not a hard person. You are a tender person. Now, I want to make clear, I'm not talking about false guilt. People will try to make you feel guilty and manipulate you, especially a toxic person. By the way, that's next Sunday, how to deal with toxic people. But toxic people will try their best to make you feel guilty. And I'm not talking about false guilt. I'm talking about real compassion in the midst of shielded by boundaries, proper boundaries, but your tender heart will allow you to deal with their anger, to endure it rather than rejecting it, walking away, blowing up. You can also do it because of a humble, an humble mind. An humble mind. Be harmonious, be sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. Abishai said, Why should this dead dog curse my Lord the King you think about that David might have thought the same thing I'm the King what does it mean talking to me that way now be honest with yourself 
How many times have you thought when somebody was expressing anger at you, I don't deserve this. Who does he think I am? I'm sorry, I, I, I hadn't planned on saying this either, but I love the story about the guy at the airline counter and they had canceled his flight and they were trying to find him a flight and he was all bent out of shape and said to the lady behind the desk, do you know who I am? And she picked up the microphone and said, ladies and gentlemen, attention, there's a man here who doesn't know who he is. If anyone knows him, would you please come tell him who he is? <laughs> who do you think I am? I don't know. Who do you think you are? David was humble and he was willing to accept. And, and when you begin to think, I don't deserve this, we need to remember we don't deserve anything at all. We don't deserve anything at all except condemnation but Jesus took the price he paid the example how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it you, you've done wrong and you get a beating so what but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it there's my word this is commendable before God to this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Can I say that the pain of enduring the suffering was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ? He paid for that pain. You see, it hurts. Give it to Jesus. He paid for all our pain and all our suffering, and by His stripes we are healed. To this you recall because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you'd fall in His steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to him who judges justly. By the way, that's NIV rather than NASB. But I think it makes the point. So don't reject the anger. Endure it. Number two, don't reflect the anger. Respect it. That comes from 1 Peter chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. 1 Peter 3 is my passage of Scripture, don't reflect it. That's what we normally do. You say something hard to me, and I say something even worse back to you. And it just escalates from there. It's like an elevator or an escalator. It just keeps going up, getting higher and higher and hotter and hotter until it's out of control. It doesn't have to be that way. Show respect to the person that you're dealing with. You know, Psalm, well, let me back up because I needed to point this out. I was looking that 1 Peter 9 through 11, or 10 through 12, I'm sorry, is a quote of Psalm 34, 12 through 13. So I turned back in my Bible and, and I noticed verse 11 
which is just before that. In verse 11, he says, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You know how you can endure and respect the anger that's being shown to you? Because you fear God. Because you fear God. Later I'll talk about, he says, don't fear or worry about that, what that person is saying to you. The point is, you need to fear God and not them. And by fearing God, you can respect them. I can treat any angry person with respect because I fear God. Now I want to let you in on a little secret in our staff. That is our staff culture that we've tried to create. Been working on this for a couple of years now. If you see differences in our staff and the way things go around here, this is a part of it. Number five in our list of ten is serve with respect and a smile. Everyone who comes to faith in Allah is important, and there is no shame in serving others. Jesus taught that success and the pathway to greatness came in being a servant. We treat everyone with respect. We speak to them every time with respect. No matter how they speak to us, we value body language, including facial expressions such as a smile, our voice, our body, and our face should convey respect. Now, that's, you could put Lynn Rayburn as the quote beneath that, but we put that together as a staff, and that's what we try to do, and that's what I encourage you to try to do. Always speak with everyone with respect. I said last week, even the most difficult thing that needs to be said can be said in a nice way. Don't reflect it, respect it. Listen, God wants you to control your tongue. Some of us have a real trouble with that. Ever tried to hold on to your tongue? It's hard to hold on to your tongue. Control your tongue. I don't mean hold on to it. That means put limits on it. That means be careful what you say. Control your tongue. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You see, no matter what anybody says to you, you do not have to let them heat you up to the point that you answer back to them with the same anger and with the same heat. You can control how you respond. You may have to bite your tongue for a minute. That's, that's painful. I started to say it the same way, that's painful. But it's very healthy sometimes to bite your tongue. Kids, I don't mean literally bite your tongue. I mean don't say anything. Pause and stop and say nothing. Everybody knows, Brenda's in the nursery, by the way. She didn't get to hear me pick on her right now, but everybody knows that Brenda has the saying she got from somebody years ago. If you can't say anything nice, say nothing at all. And there are times when Brenda says, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Control your tongue. God wants you to. And the 
Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath. We're talking about diffusing anger, taking the heat out of it. So how do you do that? The Bible's got the answer. Listen, the Bible is the Word of God, and it's got all the answers we need. How do you diffuse anger? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up or escalates anger. That's in the Bible. Lynn didn't make that up. That's in the Bible. Never say to an angry person, whether child or adult, you have no right to feel this way. I didn't have time to do this, so I didn't put it in my sermon, but I, I, I saw on Facebook again for the 40th time, uh, husband, if your wife is angry, just say to her, you, you realize you're being unrealistic. Uh, you, if you would just become rational, then we wouldn't be having this problem. And whoever wrote that said, she's guaranteed to cool down at that moment. It's a joke. <laughs> Don't do it. Your life may depend on it. But I will say, you never say to a child, you have no right to be angry. Instead, you say to them, I understand that what we're saying you can or cannot do frustrates you. You acknowledge their anger, but then you say, but this is the way it has to be. Now, it, I, I learned that in studying how to counsel with angry children. And I spoke at that at a conference, and about a month later, Robert Francis presented another lesson on anger to a group of adults since how to do, deal with angry adults, how to deal with angry people. And it's just amazing. It's the same thing whether it's dealing with a kid or dealing with an adult. What does that say to you? Nevertheless, it's true. You never say to anyone, you have no right to feel that way. Instead, you respect them and you acknowledge, I understand that this is frustrating you. But, and by the way, parents, you've been told by modern psychologists, idiots, that you never say to your children, I'm the parent. Listen, your child needs a parent. They don't need a buddy. They don't need a friend. They have those. They need a parent who's willing to say to them, I understand that this frustrates you, but I'm the parent. I'm the adult in this situation, and God has given me the task of making sure that you get through life to, to adulthood when you can make your own decisions. It's okay to say, I'm the mama. It's okay to say, because I said so, I'm the daddy. And people who say that that's wrong, check out their children. The Bible gives you authority, and it's okay to use it. Your children need for you to use it. Unruly, undisciplined children become criminals in adulthood. God wants you to do what's right. 
He wants you to do what, what's right. He must turn away from evil and do good. What's the right thing to do when somebody's spouting anger at you? Do what's right. Don't do what they're doing. Do what's right. I'll talk next week about how toxic people want to make you toxic and you need to not let that happen. Same thing's true with anger. Don't let angry people make you angry. You need to pursue peace. God wants you to. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Listen, is peace in God's church, is peace in God's house worth the verbal beating you're taking? Is it worth it? If it brings peace and keeps harmony in church, will you take the anger and accept it and respect the person who is bringing it to you in order to keep peace in the house of God? Is it worth it? Well, Jesus thought it was. He died on the cross to give us joy, peace, salvation. He endured it. Number three, and finally, don't repay it, release it. Leave revenge to God. Do not seek revenge. I'll get even with you. I'll fix you. By the way, sometimes that's what we're thinking. You're not listening. I said this earlier about criticism. You're not really listening if while the person is speaking, you're thinking about what to say back to them. You're not listening. And when somebody is spouting anger at you, do not allow the devil to stir up your narcissism, your selfishness, your pride, and your anger so that you respond in order to get even. And escalation means you take it one level higher. Don't do that. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not come to rest. I just happened across this this past week or 10 days ago when I was working with this sermon. In my daily reading, I came across Proverbs 26 too. Like a sparrow, like a swallow in its flying. You know, they just dart all over the place and they don't land. Or if they do, when they do, it's not where we see them land. Anger is the same way. If you don't deserve it, it won't hit you. If you, I hate to use the term rational mind, but if you think about it and you'll judge what they're saying, if, they're, if what they're saying is true, any part of it that's true, just like criticism, you need to admit it and repent. You need to say, I'm sorry. But if none of it is true, it'll be like if Cruise, the Sam after Tom Cruise airplane. It just goes all over the place and it never hits. You can do that. If you just accept it, respect it, you can diffuse the anger. You can release it just like letting a balloon go. Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be in 
dread. It's not true. I know it's not true. And so I can just release it. I can let it go. There's no need to repay it. I don't have to treat them bad because they're treating me bad. I don't have to express anger at them because they're expressing anger at me because it's just not going to land. They shot that missile at somebody else and it's not mine. It doesn't land with me. Honor the Lord. Don't repay it. Release it. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. He's in charge of my faith. He's in charge of my life, always being ready to make a defense of everyone who asks you an account for your, the hope that's in you. That's not answering back criticism. That's answering back, why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I need to have an answer for that. I need to have an answer for why I believe the things I do. But that's not my personal defense because somebody is being angry with me and even then I reply with gentleness and respect anything that needs to be said can be said in a nice way and then finally don't repay it release it maintain a good testimony he says and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you're slandered those who disparage your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame for it's better if God should will if so that you suffer for doing what is right than rather for, than for doing what is wrong just do what's right live like you ought to put them to shame by sanctifying God in your heart honoring him diffuse the anger accept it but diffuse it. Don't repay it. That's how you deal with angry people. Question. What are you going to do with today's message? I've had a lot of positive feedback by this series of messages. And I, it has been my goal to take the Word of God and give you a biblical view in, in something that you can use practically. But this is one of those sermons that saying I enjoyed that message is not necessarily, necessarily a compliment. It's one of those deals where you say, I needed that. I needed that. So what are you going to do with it? If it makes no difference, why did we do this? But on the other hand, if it makes a difference with how you respond to people who are angry, you, are you going to repent of unruly anger, of, of, of times you've been angry and you've poured on someone all of your wrath and your anger? Are you going to repent of that? Are you going to ask someone for forgiveness? Maybe you've responded poorly to anger and the whole thing escalated. Ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to commit to respond better next time someone's angry. You mean there'll be a next time? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I've tried to help you. God's tried to help you. I've helped you by looking at what God says and what is His view of responding 
to anger. And then a more general question. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Some of you I know whether you're members of the church and whether you attend. I do notice. Believe me, I notice. Where are you with, in your walk with God? Do you have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I can tell you, if you're going to deal with anger, if you're going to deal with people, you need that relationship. You don't need religion. You need a relationship with Jesus. Where are you? Are you holding back from serving Him and His church, for following Him in baptism? Are you living the way you would if you didn't have a relationship? Where are you in your walk with Christ? Every Sunday after the message, we have an opportunity for you to make decisions. Maybe you just want to come for prayer. Maybe you want to approach one of the pastors in the lobby afterwards or up here and, and ask us to pray for you, to pray with you. We're available for that. If you've never established a personal relationship by faith in Jesus Christ with God above, we're here for you. We would love to show you how you can establish that relationship. If you want to be a member of the church, tell us. We'll let you know what needs to be done. As always... I believe in practical preaching. And that means you hear it and you do something about it. What does God want you to do right now? Let's stand together and bow our heads. Father, I pray for a movement of your spirit. I pray for a conviction of sin. I pray the, for the drawing of your spirit pulling those who need to make decisions for you, that they would come right now, even while I'm praying, come to the altar, make a decision, meet with you here, meet with me here, pray together. Father, I pray that they would come. There are so many, so many who need to do that, and I pray that they will. Lord, if there's somebody at home watching this service on the video who needs to do that, I pray that you would direct them, draw them by your Spirit. Lord, that they'd make a phone call, that they would come to the office to see us, or they would just kneel where they are and make a decision for you, a decision that would glorify you. Lord, move in this service. Touch every heart. Draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.